That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, have you gotten the turkey fryer ready and your those gloves that come up over your elbows Ooh, and your face visor and your fireproof clothing? It's like somebody I took a that. delicious thing and wanted to make it into an explosive emergency room trip-inducing meal with the turkey fryer. Have you ever oh, fried a turkey? No, but I've seen it done. And um, you know what usually causes those massive explosions? When it's still frozen. Uh, that some idiot puts it in when it's still frozen with the giblet package still in it, and then that hot oil just hits it. Uh, the other reason that that uh, the turkey explodes is because um, they um, they don't measure the oil properly, and so when they dip the turkey in, the oil comes up over the pot, over the fryer, and then falls on the fire, and then it just kind of all explodes as well. So, but anyway, I do want to say that a fried turkey, uh, essentially, what is it, three minutes a pound? is uh, when it's done well, especially in peanut oil, um, is delicious. And so, But I'm not quite yet there. I won't be there till about the 21st next week this time. Well, I start really thinking it. And you know what we do, dude? I I kill a turkey now. Everybody, here's the secret. I brine it for (laughs) two days. And then uh, I've gotten into this thing where, like, dude, I rub it down in mole. And uh, we make uh, turkey, uh, Thanksgiving turkey tacos. We've done that a couple of times, and it is just killer. So anyway, uh, the pilgrims meet the Aztecs. And guess who would have won that war? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, place your bets. Uh, Yeah, we uh, we wrap our bacon, our turkey in bacon, and uh, we actually, yeah, we brine it like you, then we wrap it in bacon, and then we smoke it for like, I don't know. Six hours. It's pretty amazing. Ooh. It's delicious. And the soup is amazing. The post. But anyways, we're not here to talk about turkey recipes. Oh, well, I do have one more funny okay. story right. about turkeys. So, Please. but uh, I didn't know there was one year um, uh, when we were in seminary, and I smoked turkey with a guy named J.D. Coke and a good friend of ours. And uh, anyway, uh, we didn't know that if you smoke it, uh, the popper won't necessarily pop out. Yeah. And uh, we uh, literally smoked that bird for. Um, a good solid 13 hours. And um, and anyway, when it came out of the smoker, it was, we basically made turkey jerky. So anyway. It um, reminds me of that scene at the end of uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where they cut open the turkey uh, on the table it, and it, like, it's just this dry, desiccated, like mummified <laughs> bird. Just like smoke comes out and that's it. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Christ the King. Not the Turkey King, but Christ the King, and so and uh, this is in uh, the realm of uh, liturgical celebrations, a relatively new holiday, isn't it, Aaron? 
Uh, that's right. Christ the King came after World War One, and the Pope was like, oh, man, we almost killed everybody on the planet. Let's chill out and remember that we are Christians under our only and one true king, not any political human ruler or system of government. So let's celebrate Christ the King Sunday. And now everybody almost does it in any sort of – all the mainline traditions and other people too, actually. Baptists who mm. get interested in liturgy, etc. And then, um, mm. uh, yeah, so Christ the King. Uh, it's a 20th century invention. It's about 100 years old, so that's pretty new as things go. However, well. I do find it's also like a cautionary tale about the power of new liturgical holidays to change people because – after Christ the King, Sunday was invented. A little thing called World War II happened next. However, mm. it is good to remember. I mean, we there's never a time we don't need to hear this message. And there's yes. always going to be stuff like, and, and gosh, going on right now, man, wars and rumors of wars, not just rumors right now, but like real stuff going on uh, around the world. So always good to remember that mm. Jesus Christ is the true King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. Mm. Well, uh, that being said, because it is Christ the King Sunday, uh, we have uh, um, several wonderful readings. We have Jeremiah 23, verses 1 through 6. Then we uh, will be uh, teaching how to preach Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 20, diving deep into that. And then finally, we'll uh, sum it all up with Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. And so, um, yeah, so we come to this amazing passage uh, Jeremiah 23, uh, verses 1 through 6, where um, basically uh, Jeremiah is rebuking and delivering curses to uh, the shepherds of Israel. Now, uh, Aaron, what would you say about this? And when he's talking about shepherds, he's most not, most certainly not talking about, uh, you know, uh, rough men in the field, is he? Who's he talking to? And what would you say? No, yeah, he's talking about the corrupt leaders of Israel, the political leaders of Israel. And in those days, obviously, the political and the religious were deeply intertwined. And it was a disaster then, as it usually is anytime people try to mix politics and religion. Um, it's just, it's too potent of a mixture, too much projection and emotional transference. And it just gets really messy. You end up justifying a lot of things in the name of religion that uh, you really shouldn't. But uh, or of politics. But so, yeah, these people have been corrupt, they've been idolatrous, they've not really followed the Lord's commands, and they also are, um, as he says, you destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. You're supposed to be gathering and caring for them, but instead you're exploiting them, uh, you are not caring for them, there's just sort of rampant corruption and injustice and all that. And so he says, I'm going to gather the remnant. There's been an exile, obviously, the, the, the Syrians and the Babylonians, and so he's going to gather the, the sheep that have been scattered. And here, by the way, you know, if you want to preach in this passage, what I, you know, the, what I would say is that um, this passage to me more than almost any other indicates how much we don't need to find our salvation in a political system. And the reason it's sort of counterintuitive, this passage makes you think that God is going to send a political ruler to solve all of our problems. Um, because God says, I will raise up for David a righteous branch, meaning a descendant from King David, and he shall reign as king. And those people definitely thought it meant a literal king. And he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. And people thought it meant an honest-to-goodness land with borders and embassies and a capital and stuff like that. And uh, But we know this is about Jesus. We also know that Jesus rejected any sort of human political power anytime it was offered to him, and we know that his kingdom is not just one country or nation, 
but the whole world and indeed the whole universe. So this passage sounds like a country with a king, but really it's about the the universe and all the people on the earth being being saved under this new this new kind of king. So it's to me it points to the fact that we don't we th- we think the solution and as Jeremiah wrote this he thought I think the solution was it was some sort of political ruler who would be the perfect king but our 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 hope really cuz the problem's so much deeper than who's on the throne our hope really is in a savior someone who will who will take care of our deepest problems which I think you know is uh the fact that we keep hurting each other, we keep hurting other people, we're self-absorbed, we are sinners, uh, to put it bluntly. So, anyways, that's that's what. He, and the last thing I would say is that his name is the Lord is our righteousness, and this is to me pointing to Jesus. Obviously, that our righteousness is not our own; it comes from the Lord. Anything you would add, Jake? Yeah, I mean, I would say that. Uh, well, exactly. If you're going to preach in this text, you've got to lay out first of all the historical context and uh, and. Uh, why is Jeremiah delivering these woes? And it's because uh, the religious leaders of the time, they had led the people astray. The outward, uh, the outward and the, in, the inward were not in alignment. Um, and so, and what you had was a religious system that was corrupt, a religious system that uh, placed burdens on people, a religious a system that was uh, far from God. And, uh, you know, and so... Uh, these shepherds actually were uh, hirelings, and uh, and the same is can be said today. You know, oftentimes uh, um, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, religion that is not uh, the inside aligned with the outside um, uh, heaps huge burdens on people, and it creates splitting. It creates casualty. It creates all sorts of mess in a person. And so this is one of the reasons why the, they're rebuked. But he says, "I will raise up shepherds over them." who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. And indeed, uh, uh, eventually, uh, God, as you said, would send us a good shepherd, and he would raise up shepherds, 12 of them to be specific, who would deliver a message of forgiveness of sins to the nations, to all the nations, not just the nation of Israel, but to all the nations, and to bring them from every tribe, tongue, and nation into the fold, so that they might be under that one good shepherd. And, uh, and really, that is the ministry um, that, that we carry on today. And uh, it's, a, it's a difficult ministry. Uh, you know, I was reading about, um, there used to be a saying amongst clergy when they were ordained, and it was, I was trying to look it up, but I can't seem to find it. And um, it was a Latin saying about, um, can a priest ever be saved? Because there's all of this, like, I mean, even within ourselves, uh, even within ourselves, uh, the... Um, there is such um, there's such a splitting and disconnect that oftentimes happens, uh, but indeed uh, we can and uh, we can be saved, and not because of our own work, but because of the faith and the hope that that's within us. And nothing's more tragic than when a shepherd doesn't believe in the good shepherd. And so, but we have been given a living hope, and uh, and although our sins be great, we have a great shepherd who's forgiven us, and the Lord is our righteousness. And we uh, boldly deliver that word, the Lord is our righteousness, to the very ends of the earth. And uh, we uh, rest, and we hide, and we stand behind that word as we deliver deliver that word to uh, the flock whom he's called. Hmm. Amen. Well, moving on to now the reading from Colossians. And again, these readings, you know, although we haven't been going through the Gospel of Luke, these readings are picked all to emphasize the kingship of Jesus, the reign of Jesus, what it looks like as Jesus is king. Uh, by the way, there may be some congregations you hear call this 
not Christ the King Sunday, but the but the reign of Christ or Christ reign Sunday or something. Just because there's you know some concern about the patriarchal language of using King, but with all these terms, you got to realize that it's uh, they Jesus flips this term on its head because. He is a king, but his crown is of thorns, and he is, instead of on a throne, he's on a cross. So, anyways, you're going to get all this, these sort of like, as Jake, you always say, the flip-flop nature of the gospel. It's the world, but turned upside down. Um, so, you know, Jeremiah I, talks about a real king who's going to be king over Israel, yeah. but really it's not that. It's uh, a king who will reign in heaven um, over the new Israel, the church of God. Colossians going to talk about um, this one who's the firstborn of the you know of over all things hold all things together and you think it's uh, you know again this lofty cosmic power this great universal king but that last verse is his blood on the cross so it's everything gets yeah. flipped upside down so that's that's kind but of an overarching big Christ the King Sunday thematic thing I, before we dive into Colossians and you are itching to say something sure. so say it. Well, I would never forget, though, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and uh, indeed, well, yes. He is your Lord. And I didn't he is forget. Your king. I know, I know. I'm saying that to the person that a lot <laughs> of people kick against the goat of this, and they want to call it the reign of Christ Sunday, and you know they're trying to change the crown Him Lord of all, crown Him servant of all, and that's all nonsense. That is the old Adam and the old Eve bucking against the fact that we have a Lord over us. And uh, we are not over him. He's not our equal. And uh, by virtue of his resurrection, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and King. For a lot of us, uh, that is the greatest news in the world because it frees me up because I don't have to be in charge anymore. Uh, while for others who are still holding on and thinking they're Lord, um, well, that's uh, that's difficult news. But nonetheless, um, you want to deliver, yes, this is the king who's died for you and has risen for you, but he also uh, rules and reigns now mm. over all things and uh, has subjected them to, to, to everything. Now, this brings us to this first point in verses 11 through, um, uh, I want to say 11 20. through, uh, uh, yeah, but specifically uh, 14, uh, uh. where um, it talks about this, and you know, and you think... Uh, so may you be made strong with all strength that comes from his glorious power. And like these are things that we oftentimes think that we need to do. But the truth is, is that the way this is written in the Greek is in the aorist tense. And so uh, what's happening here is, is that you are being, you're presently qualified. You're presently being delivered. You know, uh, this all in this first uh, particular couple of, um, uh, this, these couple of verses, 11 to 14, this is Exodus language that Paul is utilizing here. And it is to remind you that um, you already have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that a wonderful—I would much rather be in that kingdom than uh, in the kingdom of, of myself and in the kingdom of darkness, where I'm Lord and ruling over it. Believe me, ask my kids last night. It was a total tool bag to them, because I was being the Lord. And— um, and, you know, and, uh, and that just goes to prove something, too, is that he's rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we used to be in the kingdom of darkness. And so, therefore, people in your congregation, you yourself, preacher, you're going to experience all sorts of stuff as, you, uh, as that kingdom of darkness reemerges. But it's kind of like the Guatemalan embassy across the street from Calvary Church in New York City. So all those people, and they're now citizens, or they have uh, citizen, Guatemalan citizens who become U.S. citizens. They still get mail from Guatemala, 
but they are definitely U.S. citizens. They, Guatemala may send them sort, some sort of uh, beckoning, but they don't have to pay. If they're a U.S. citizen, they don't have to pay any mind to it because they've been transferred into the United States. Um, and this is the same thing. You're going to get mail from the kingdom of darkness for your entire life until you finally die. But never forget, you look up outside of yourself to these verbs in the aorist where it's all been done for you. And you remember you've been transferred uh, um, into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Mm. Praise God. Gosh, I've been on a roll. I'm, yeah. Every, so I'm in Texas, and I think the air is a little fresher down here. And those... Uh, those uh, um, those puffy tacos are kicking in. So yeah, this anyway, is the special else? Texas edition. I mean, I'm in Waco. You're in San Antonio. We're a mere three hours apart. I can almost smell your deodorant from where I sit. Uh, and uh, and I it's wish my Drakkar. It's yeah, my Drakkar that I got at the duty free. So anyway, but because uh, Texas is its own country, so That's it was right. tax free. Don't you so, forget? So, but oh, anything you want to say about the second part, uh, uh, fifteen to twenty? Yeah, I mean, this is, it's an incredible thing. Um, it's this. Uh, extended doxological, which means kind of worship and praise statement about Jesus and and who he is. And I think it's important. Um, one of the things, if you want to do some work on Christology, on Christ the King Sunday, to emphasize the, 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 the fact that Jesus Christ is God. Uh, and we've talked about it on this podcast before. We'll talk about it again. But one of the popular heresies today, it's something like a majority of American Christians believe. They don't know the name of the heresy, but they affirm it when you ask them questions about Jesus. They they are Arians. They believe that Jesus was some sort of, like, he's great, and he is the son of God, and he died and rose again, but he's but he's not God. He he was created, like the Father made him and then sent him to earth to, to clean up our dirty work and then hoovered him back up to the to the sky. And uh, and this passage, if you ever want to confront and attack the Arian heresy in your midst, it is this one, um, where he says he is before all things. In him all things hold together. Um, everything has been created through him and for him. So this, this means that Jesus Christ is present without beginning and without end, and he's present at the creation of all things. He holds all things together. And that's Bro, something that's... that I think can blow people's minds a little bit. It can be yeah. very pastoral and comforting to know that in the midst of your world looks so mundane, everyday, ho-hum, etc., that you're all um, held together by Christ right now, every every breath you take, every move you make. Um, and, uh, and then, again, <laughs> the real kicker is that he made peace through the blood of the cross. Because it could be scary yeah. to learn that there's this great cosmic power and we are down here these little struggling worms creatures um Mm. uh but he makes peace through the blood of the cross so all things have he makes us and he makes us worms his children i think that's a that's a really good point and i think it's something you know it's uh on youtube i i uh i I watch a lot of youtube uh maybe too much confessions so but anyway um and every once in a while these weird surveys will pop pop up and uh, there's one survey that always pops up on my screen i don't know why it's called end time harvest yeah but it asks that very that very arian question say someone believes that jesus is the son of god and the messiah but not god the father are they still a christian and i clicked of course absolutely not <laughs> And but then what happened? Then 70, your computer exploded. It showed the, no, it showed the rates. And like 73% of American evangelicals said yes. And um, you know what I mean? I mean, a complete and total denial of the uh, divinity of Christ. And um, that, but that's uh, so, but that brings me to my second point, kind of hitting on what you said is that sometimes I think, you know, as we're going through the lectionary, 
just a, a brief word about preaching is that sometimes it's okay to do every once in a while a few topical sermons on a doctrinal truth that emerges out of here. And so, you know, here you can preach on uh, Christology, you can preach on soteriology. Um, there's uh, that, you know, soteriology is the work of Christ coming from uh, the Greek word soteros for work and then ology for uh, the Greek word for ology. And, uh, uh. Or, <laughs> but I think that there's something like Christ the King Sunday is a perfect day because there are so many people in our pews. Well, you know, uh, maybe not if you're a preacher who's been listening to the same old song for a number of years. Now your your congregation's totally informed. But there's uh, a lot of the people in our congregation are theologically and dogmatically ignorant of a lot of topics. And uh, it's important that... Um, uh, we share that good news with them so that they can understand more fully that uh, you're not a worm, but you're a, a baptized Christian, and that means that you're a you're a child of the living God. Yep, and that's yeah. So this is a rich text, almost too rich to deal with in one Sunday. But there's a lot of things you could do, mm. a lot of things you could talk about. Almost um, as rich as your turkey. I tell you what, Jake, the soup that is made from that turkey, I think about it all year long. As soon as we start smoking that bad boy, I'm like, mm, there's some soup coming my way. So, um, Okay, so let's move on to Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. And this is the one where if anybody thought the kingship of Jesus Christ was some sort of high and lofty hooray kind of thing, this will bring them right back down to earth because this is Jesus uh, getting crucified at Golgotha. It's a little taste of the passion right before we head into Advent. And uh, people might be like, why are we, what? What? This is like Lent stuff. Why are we reading this now? Well, you know, Advent does have something of a penitential air about it. So it's kind of preparatory for that. But uh, this also um, deflates and completely knocks off the pedestal any of these ideas that Jesus Christ is some sort of like, you know, lone ranger riding on his horse and going to kill all the bad guys and, uh, you know, take take his uh, seat at the White House or whatever. Um, it is, uh, look, usually it's Jake that's getting the calls. And now it's it's the, the presidential uh, line right there. Yeah, that's right. They're called, they called the uh, the bat phone there. That was and right from Putin. Is, we're in the so. middle. I never get calls on that phone, so I, I didn't have it on Do Not Disturb, but now you listeners get to hear. That's what, that's what it sounds like when somebody calls my phone. Uh, so, anyways, what I was saying was, we think Jesus is, sometimes, in popular culture, Jesus is like some, you know, cape crusader gonna save the day or whatever, and here he is powerless. He, he, they're, they're saying, he's, he saved others, let him save himself, and he can't do it because he's choosing to stay on the cross, uh, he's mm. choosing to die for us. And so, this is, a, this is a man who, in human terms, who has failed. This is our king. This is who we worship as Christ the king. It's a profound statement of rejection of human mm. systems of power in terms of politics and economics and government and all that sort of stuff. We are headed into another election season, it seems like. Um, as, as you listen to this, we will have now completed the midterm elections. Uh, and I bet, as you listen to this, even though we're recording this in mid-October, um, I bet bet there will be people disagreeing or disputing the results, because that seems to be the way of things these days. And people have so much um, energy wrapped up in that. And then we're just, uh, you know, a few short months away from getting really serious into presidential politics and election politics again. And people do think that there's going to be some sort of salvation through that. And I'm not saying that those things don't matter. They may matter a great deal. But this uh, scene of Christ on the cross... Um, 
completely powerless in the face of the world's power, having completely rejected any sort of worldly power that was offered to him, is a statement about um, uh, the ultimate futility of human structures. And this is a strong thing to say. You know, come at me. Yeah. Like, you know, hit me up. Uh, hit us, you know. Twitter DMs are open, mm. so let me know. But uh, this uh, this seems to indicate that God wants to go about changing the world in other ways, uh, and not those ways necessarily. Mm. Um, so, Jake, I know you want to talk about the guy on the cross next to Jesus, uh, mm. and uh, anything else? Well, I think uh, there's a lot. I mean, I love how this particular passage opens up, and here you have the king. And the first, uh, you know, and there he is, lifted high and lifted up, you know. However, this king is high and lifted up on a cross. And his prayer for the crowd and his prayer for even you and me, because this is, uh, the cross is timeless, is, um, you know, not, hey, uh, guys, help them with their finances. But it's, uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I think... In this very moment, what we see, you know, and oftentimes, you know, Aaron, we've been accused of talking about uh, cheap grace or cheap forgiveness. Um, this has come up again recently with me and somebody accused me of that. And um, I, you know, I, I think what we see right here is, is that um, uh, grace and forgiveness is most not, certainly not cheap. Uh, grace and forgiveness is totally free, but it comes um, with blood, it comes with sweat, and it comes with tears. Um, mm. And uh, it comes with blood, sweat, and tears for people who most certainly don't deserve it. And, uh, and so it's in that moment that we see these two thieves, and you have uh, one thief who mocks Jesus. And he literally is the voice of the whole world. You know, if you're the Son of God, save yourself and save us. Yeah. And who hasn't made that cry, like, you know, I mean, when the pledges aren't coming in. Or, you know, when you got a leaky roof, if you're the son of God, fix the damn roof, you know, <laughs> save me and save us. And uh, that is the voice of the world. And that's the voice of all of us. But then you have this other uh, thief. Uh, his name historically in church history was called Dismas, St. Dismas the Good Thief. And if I ever planted a church, that would be the name of the church, the Church of the Good Thief. And uh, but he says, um, you know, uh, he preaches actually what he does here and he preaches first the law to this guy. And he's like, you and I are justly for do you not fear God since you and I are under the same sentence? And indeed, we justly condemned for the deeds we've done. And he says, but this man's done nothing wrong. Boom. There he points to Christ, the one truly innocent one. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your into your kingdom, you know, and uh, I mean, that is the voice of a, of a convicted preacher. And every Sunday, you and I should, every preacher should remember that. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then uh, we can preach powerfully as well, because we've heard the same word that Dismas has heard. Uh, Truly, you will be with me in paradise. And, you know, and uh, that is the good word that comes to us um, when it seems like all hope is gone. That's the word that comes from the cross, you know, you will be with me in paradise. And, uh, you know, and when it's broken into our hearts and we can believe it and confess it, uh, well, then we can proclaim it to um, our brothers and sisters. Uh, you have, you are, and you will be remembered. And, uh, and this remembrance by God's first creates faith in our lives to remember Jesus and what Jesus did to win forgiveness, life, and salvation for us. And so uh, that's what I would say about that particular text. All right. Well, 
There it is. Christ the King Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Dude, what a great Christ, great, great Christ the King Sunday. And so um, have it close out the green year. Uh, don't forget to uh, get your caresses out, everybody, uh, and, um, and set things up because now we are moving into, um, uh, gosh, a new For cycle. For our listeners, the season of Jake Advent. just said Kresh, even though it sounded like the last name of a very famous Waco resident who had a bit of a beef with the FBI, Kresh, <laughs> and he was talking about your nativity scenes. All right. Yeah. That'll do it. Jake, we'll see you next week. See you next week, Aaron. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.